my name's Tim, I'm one of the leaders here, and um, we're just starting off a brand new series, and the series is called Both And, uh, and if you've been around at Woodlands for a little while, actually it's probably a little phrase that you've, you've heard us mention before, uh, we're, we're a, a Both And church. Now you might think, well what, what does Both And mean, uh, and what, how does that inform the way that we do church? So during the whole month of September, as we're kind of starting our new academic year, as new people are new to Bristol, maybe new to the church here, uh, we wanted to just take four weeks to uh, dig a bit deeper into what does it mean to, to be uh, a Both And church. If you want some background reading, if you're someone who's a reading kind of person, uh, this book is called, surprise, surprise, Both And. Oh, yes. And by a guy called Rich Nathan. Um, it's about 10 years old, but there's some great stuff in there. So if you want to read a book to go along with the series, uh, both and Rich Nathan, available online in most decent booksellers, uh, then you can read along as well. Both and. Hmm. What, what, I mean, what's the opposite to both and? I suppose it's either or. Uh, and, and, and we live in a world that tends to be either or. We you tend to be. In the, I mean, we we're trying to live as both and Christians in an either or kind of world. Actually, you're either this or you're that. Actually, we like to, to pigeonhole people, uh, and we like to categorise people. Actually, somehow we like to uh, kind of be on opposite sides to people. So you're either a climate change activist or you're a climate change denier. Kind of, yeah, you're you're either or. You're somebody who's kind of. Um, uh, affirming or you're homophobic you kind of you're either or we try and kind of separate out either you're anti-racist or you're racist you're again if you think about the christian world you might be uh, evangelical or you're liberal and and we try to kind of separate out it's it's easier to define people to to categorize people if you can say well you're that and i'm this and and kind of you have to make the choice which way are you in and some churches would, would like to say, actually, we define ourselves by this. We have a, a statement of, of faith. And if you're part of this church, you have to go for this because it's not either or. It's just this. And we live in a world that is trying to put people in different camps. Because in different camps, you can kind of have a go at them. You can separate, actually. In some ways, I think that the enemy loves it when people are either or people. You're not like me. You're different. You're other than. Actually, I'm going to judge you not because of what I know about you, because I've spent the time to get to know you, but on the colour of your skin or your gender or kind of or your class, uh, kind of your appearance. And 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 either or tends to separate. But both and there's something that's so. I think it's just very healthy about being a church that thinks that it's you don't have to be this or that either this or that. Actually, you can be both this and that. And hopefully this, this series, we're going to just look at a bit about what does it mean to be both and. In some ways, if we all believed the same thing, actually there's, there's the possibility of there being no tension. Actually, if we have both and, if we say, well, it's not quite as clear cut as that, I'm not sure if we can come to a, to a deaf conclusion about that. In, in some ways, kind of both and can bring a bit of tension, tension into life. So um, we're going to look this this uh, next 
four weeks at both hands, but in some ways, I'm going to start off by thinking a little bit about this evening about creative tension, about, about what does the both and, what it creates a tension, but is that tension destructive or is that tension creative? I'm not quite sure how you feel about tension. <laughs> whether it, it's kind of whether you, you love tension or whether you don't. Actually, many of us, we're just hearing Chanel say about going back to school, and, uh, and um, actually sometimes we can find environments where we find there's tension. Maybe we find there's tension in our relationships. Do you ever find tension in your I mean, with those who are the nearest and dearest to you, Actually, there, there can be times. There can be times where I, I don't know. I, I I've kind of make a little promise to my wife that I very rarely talk about her in public. Um, but the reality is, we do have a few tensions, um, and it probably it comes from the fact that she's quite tidy. I'm not. I think I'm going to wear these trousers tomorrow. Why should I fold them up? Kind of. And and she thinks no. I think well, it's only lunch. It's only a plate a knife, a mug, why do we need to wash it up? I could do that later. And, and we find that there's kind of, there's tension. Because we have a difference of opinion, there's a, a difference of the way of doing things. Actually, there's things within relationships that actually you will find that there's tension. Those that we were given the crap to earlier on about getting married, actually you will find in married life, there is tension, tensions to manage. In the workplace, I know that in the workplace, there's often tension. It might be tension around the high demands. It might be tensions around uh, a dysfunctional boss. There may be tensions around a bullying culture. There may be ten Actually, there's all kinds of tensions that, that we, we kind of live with within the workplace. And, and I know that some of those tensions do have such a negative effect on people and people's sense of, 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 of well-being. People's sense of being affected, people's sense of actually even wanting to go to work. Actually, within, within church, there can be tensions in church, believe it or not. There can be tensions within church. Actually, whether it's church, and this is what's called the General Synod, if you know what the General Synod is. Actually, it's the Church of England where they sit and they discuss stuff. Actually, at the moment, there's real tensions around the whole LGBTQ. How is the Church of England going to respond? And there's very diverse views, and, but there's, there's tension around the debate, and, and is that tension going to lead to the church fracturing? And sometimes when we think about tension, we can think actually tension is quite a negative and quite a harmful thing. But actually sometimes tension, I think, is, can be quite a good thing. If any of you are mechanical engineers, whatever, I think pre-stressed concrete. There's a tension in the concrete that actually gives it a better strength for putting your lintels in and stuff. I think there's something about, um, I don't know, um, how many of you have been to see Mission Impossible? Is it eight? Part one? Kind of, I mean, if, if, you, if you went to a film like that and there was no tension, I mean, would it be in, so enjoyable? I mean, is he going to get killed? Is he going to fall off? Is, the, is she going to, ah, kind of, there, there's something about tension of, in watching a film, that actually adds to the enjoyment of the, of the film. I mean, do you agree or not? That, that, that sense of, of drama and tension. Actually, there's something about, I um, grew up in, in Norwich, so I used to go and watch Norwich City play football. Um, and there was frequently tension. 
the tension was, how much are we going to lose by this week? That was mostly the tension. But actually the tension was, we could possibly win. There was tension around, kind of, and there's something about watching sport that actually tension is part of, slightly masochistically, the, the, the fun. Actually, I do think there's a tension within teams that we work with. Actually, I think there's tension sometimes that, that is creative tension. I think a team where everyone is all the same, uh, at work or in a business or, or in church, I think actually that kind of team where we're a team of, we've all got the same thoughts, all got the same opinions, all got the same kind of skill set, all got the same character. Actually, it can be quite a, a, a bland team. Actually, it might be easy to get on with people within the team, but would you be the most effective as a team that has diversity, a team that has different perspectives, different cultural backgrounds, that brings different kind of personality types, uh, that is kind of the, uh, whether it's Myers-Briggs or whether it's Enneagram kind of twos, threes, nines, or whatever it is, kind of, actually, is there something about being in a team where there's tension? Is that a creative thing or is that a negative thing? And I think sometimes in working through the tensions, whether it's relational, whether it's kind of uh, uh, ways that you do things, processes, actually I think you can have a mo more robust system and more better outcomes where there's a team that is able to manage tension well. In your workplace, if tension's not managed well, it can be destructive. But actually where those tensions are managed well, I think they can be creative. Which is why we're talking tonight about creative, creative tension. Anyway, what does, the, what does the Bible have to say? When we meet together on a Sunday, we like to take a bit of the Bible. You might think, well, it's written 2,000 years ago. What's the Bible got to say about handling tension, handling conflict? What's, it, what's the Bible got to say to us? And I suppose for me, the, there are, as those first disciples who encountered Jesus for the very first time and they found a love and a forgiveness and a hope and and then they started to meet together to to pray together to encourage one another they started to share their corporate faith communal faith with other people and and people started coming in actually they suddenly found there was a tension and the tension that they faced was a tension around culture it was a tension around I suppose if you read the Bible it's around what the Bible calls Jews and Gentiles. Those that were brought up in the Jewish faith and had a strict Jewish understanding about, about God and about how to live life. And those who were non-Jews, non-Jews, everyone else was called Gentiles. And, and they had a different way of living, a different worldview. And, and, and suddenly they're finding Jesus. Suddenly they're coming to part of church. And, and, and there's real misunderstandings because kind of around the culture of the way things happened. And, and some of the Jews say to those who are, are non-Jews, actually, if you're really going to be a proper follower of Jesus, you need to follow some of the Jewish laws. You need to get all your men. You need to get circumcised. Snip, snip. Get on with it. Kind of, there's, there's something about, about what you eat. You're not allowed just to eat anything anymore. You, you can't eat this. You can't eat this. You can't eat this. Pork sausages, off the menu. Prawn cocktail, uh-uh. And, and there was a whole lot of stuff that we said, you cannot, you cannot do this. Actually, the conflict was around Jewish food laws. Pork, you can't eat pigs. Kind of, oh, bacon sandwiches, nope, sorry. If you're going to follow Jesus, be part of our community, you can't eat pork. 
And there was a conflict that, was, that came from, there was a tension that came between Jews and Gentiles. Actually, even those who were, were non-Jews who became Christians, there was a, another conflict which was around, for people who had been Greeks or had lived in the kind of the Roman Empire away from the Jewish faith, actually there was a food that was offered to idols. And, and food that was offered to idols, kind of, there would be, there would be kind of a, a spiritual significance to, to, to food that was offered to idols. And so even for people who were non-Jews, the Gentiles who became Christians, actually for them they had a conflict. Should I eat food that's been offered to idols? Because most of the butchers and the supermarkets in those days, kind of the, the meat had been sacrificed to idols. And so now it was a challenge that kind of I, I'm allowed to eat beef and chicken and kind of but actually, what if the beef and chicken has been sacrificed to an idol? Ah, kind of, and there was real tension around Jews and Gentiles, what can we eat? There was tensions around Greeks, what can we eat? How are we going to manage those tensions? And so in, uh, we see in 1 Corinthians, um, Paul uh, talks to uh, the Christians there and says, actually, here's how we're going to manage this tension. Um, and here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, verse 8, uh, sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it says this. Now about food sacrificed to idols, okay, so this is now talking to, the, to the, those who are, who are Greek in the background. We know that uh, we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something, yet do not know as they ought to know, but whoever uh, loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, what we know we we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on the earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, uh, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But, uh, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still uh, so accustomed to idols that they, when they eat, uh, when they eat sacrifice, sacrificial food, they think it's been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, that it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are not worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights doesn't become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone ha with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating uh, in a temple, in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if, we eat, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them uh, to fall. Okay, here's an interesting little conversation. Okay, how are we going to handle these? Well, actually, we do, there's, there's something about how's this tension going to be resolved? So there's three things I'm going to say just before we, we take a chance to pray and worship together. Three things we're going to say about if, if we face tension, how is the tension resolved? How is the tension managed? And how is the tension embraced? So first of all, actually, sometimes there is a tension that needs to be resolved. 
There needs, there's a actually, we, we need to resolve this tension. Actually, you're doing this, and it's causing that person to uh, stumble in their faith. Actually, we, we've got to try and resolve this. So what we're going to do? Well, you might know stuff, but knowing stuff isn't everything. Love is everything. It says this little thing. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Two pictures. Kind of one is puffed up, one is built up. Okay? Actually, there's, there's something about kind of I know stuff. It's kind of either or. I know that I'm right. I've got this stuff. I know, I know, I know. And, and somehow as I try and impose on you what I know to be true, I can do that in an aggressive, hostile, uh, unconcerned kind of way. And, 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 and knowledge, it kind of, if I base my argument and my position on knowledge, actually it can puff up. I can have a great argument, make myself look quite good. I, 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 I know that I'm right. And, um, but actually knowledge puff. But actually in our relationship, what he's saying here is how do you resolve tension? Actually, in the end, love builds up. Actually, you may know that you're in the right. Actually, that they, they may have known that they could have eaten, eaten meat to, to idols. But actually, the loving thing isn't to go with your right, your knowledge. Actually, the loving thing is to be aware of, actually, how are my responses going to this tension that we feel? Kind of, I, I'm freely eating meat, and, and they're worried, and there's this kind of tension. How do we resolve this? Well, the resolving of the tension is kind of we, we choose to love. We put maybe our knowledge, our truth, to one side of it. And we say, let's ex extend grace. Let's extend love. Actually, if you're facing tension, and um, quite often people, there's some people might say that kind of, is tension, can, is, it, is this kind of relationship where there's something going on, is, is it a problem to be solved or is it a tension to be managed? And, and sometimes in the, our relationships, actually, it, it is a problem to be solved. Actually, here, there, there had to be something. And, and he said that actually the loving thing to do is, if, if, you're, if you're eating, it's going to cause people to do not eat meat. That's the loving thing to do. So sometimes when we face tension in our relationships, in our workplace, sometimes when we find tension in our teams, kind of, is it just a tension that is to be managed? Or actually, is there sometimes... We need to look at that tension and think, do you know what, it's, it's kind of, it's a problem. And, and I think maybe it can be solved. Maybe I think it can be resolved. Actually, maybe with a bit of love, this tension could be worked out. And I, I know for myself that there's, there's times where I, I feel sometimes there's just kind of personal tension with, with relationships. I know three or four years ago, um, there was this one particular situation and I thought, ah, oh, I can't see why there's tension in this relationship. And, and I, I looked at all, my knowledge says that there shouldn't be. But I kind of thought, but am I really self-aware? I think resolving tension, sometimes the first person to look at is ourself. And, and I got three friends of mine who were colleagues when I was at community church. And they said, actually, I, I just need you to be 100% honest with me. Can you be 100% honest? Yes, Tim. Great. I want you to tell me things that are my blind spots. Things that I think I know what my strengths are. I think I know what my weaknesses are. But there's some things that are my blind spots. And do you know what? Very helpfully, they were honest. And they said to me, well, actually, Tim, do you know what? When you do this, that, or the other, 
It comes across a bit like this sometimes. Does it? Hmm, yes, it does, Tim. <laughs> ah, and actually a blind spot becomes a weakness that I can work on. And actually in trying to work on those weaknesses, then some of the tensions actually maybe can be mitigated. Actually, sometimes tensions, actually an open conversation with active listening, actually sometimes that can really help when there's tensions with people, tensions within the family, tensions within the workplace. Uh, an open conversation with active listening. Tell me kind of what is you feel is the deal. Okay. What I've heard is, I think you're saying the deal is, and you repeat back to them what you think the deal, and, and, you, and you try and have some kind of conversation that is, that is a, an active, open conversation. And again, if it's done with, I mean, knowledge, oh, I know, no, I know that's not right, I know I'm right, it kind of, that will puffs up, and that you get nowhere. Actually, love will build up. Actually, in this conversation, can there be a love, a respect, an honor? that we can actually work through this situation. And sometimes I think attention can be resolved. But sometimes I think attention needs to be managed. And um, Acts chapter 15 shows a situation where attention has to be managed. And, and this is about the other kind of food controversy. And it's about Gentiles and whether they should be circumcised and, uh, or whether they should eat, refrain from eating certain foods. And, and, and here in Acts 15, we see that there's this council of Jerusalem, and, and they decide together based on the, the words of the Old Testament prophets, uh, stories they hear of conversions of those who are non-Jews, and, and somehow being open to the Holy Spirit. And, and with this, they kind of manage attention, and they come up with a solution. Now, a, a solution isn't a compromise. In, in the either-or world, you might be kind of, are you Bristol City or are you Bristol Rovers? Are you United or are you City? Are you Liverpool or Everton? And, and, and kind of it's the either all world. Now, I don't know what you think about half and half scarves. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, there's something about half and half scarves. You think, actually, no, no. You can't have a Man United, Man City, half and half scarf. Kind of, and and is, is managing tension, is it just kind of looking for the middle point? And I think, no, it isn't. Managing intention is acknowledging that there are, it's both and. Actually, there's, there's something about the situation that we can't, just, uh, we can't just find a middle ground because you're, you're Jews and you're Gentiles. You've got this upbringing and this upbringing. But somehow we've got to find a way of honoring and respecting one another. And here there's a, there's a tension that is managed. And they write this thing to say, actually, just don't eat kind of strangled meat and don't you meat that's got blood in it and kind of because that's going to be really offensive to these guys and kind of um but you don't have to get circumcised don't worry lads you kind of you're okay and and, and there's this kind of and, and they manage the tension and i think there's some things that within our, our spiritual life that we just have to manage i think we have to manage this idea around spirit and and flesh kind of are we spiritual people or are we fleshy people well we're both and kind of, we can't just treat ourselves just as, it's, it's only the spiritual that matters. Your body doesn't matter at all. And you can't say, well, it's just the body and your spirit. And actually, there's a, a tension there to manage. Is it about God's action or is it about our action? As we start this new term and we, we're looking for situations to change, for people to become Christians, we want to invite people to Alpha. Kind of, what do we do? Do we just pray and leave it all to God? Or do we take some action and get an alpha flyer or point them to the website? Kind of, what, 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 which one is it? Is that going to be either or? 
kind of, is it God or is it us? Is it God's action and he's sovereign or is it our action and, and then we've got free will? Ah, but it's both, both and. We live in a world but where everything, there's a good God and yet there's cruel, wicked things happen. God, God he can't. Actually, yeah, there's a tension there, isn't there, between believing that there is a good God and, and seeing that there's a world that's broken. There's tensions that we need to manage as we work in teams, as we love and respect the diversity of the different contributions that everyone brings. We realize that there's a space and a place for everybody. We're not going to just be a, take the middle ground and be lukewarm and, uh, and beige. We, kind of, we want to include everybody with their thoughts and their dreams and their hopes and their perspectives. Actually, and there's going to be a tension in that, but we're going we're gonna to love that kind of tension. And I suppose that's just the last thing I wanted to say. When it, we think about both and, actually, there is something about a tension that we embrace. If we embrace the tension, we find within it there's creativity. We embrace the tension, and over the next few weeks we're going to look at these. We, we, as a church, we embrace the tension between being a spirit church and a word church. When I grew up, there was churches that would definitely preach the word churches. And you would go there strong, evangelical, preaching the word sermons. If they weren't over 45 minutes, they weren't proper sermons. Kind of, it was the word. And, I, and if I got occasionally bored, I would go to the local Pentecostal church. And they were super Holy Spirit. I mean, if we didn't speak in tongues for at least 15 minutes, it wasn't a proper service. And it, kind of, and it, and it was it either or. And I think, well, actually, no, we're both. And actually, we want to be a church that both loves the Bible, lives by the Bible. But we just know that the Holy Spirit is around we're a large church and a small church. Some people look at large church and think, oh, it's, it's entertainment. It's all looking to the front. We sit in our seats and it's kind of consumerism. And oh, it, real life is in small community. That's where you have kind of um, uh, yeah, integrity. That's where you have honesty. That's where you have vulnerability. Uh, and, kind of, uh, and, and we say, actually, well, it's, it's, it's both and. You can have both large church on a Sunday, small church. Midweek, we call it, that's why we call it midweek church rather than home groups because that really is church. We, have, we believe in both large and small. We believe in diversity and unity. At our 11 a.m. service uh, um, a couple of months ago, we, when it was our Global Partners Weekend, we asked people uh, which countries they were born in. And there was 23 different countries represented in the, in the church. And I just thought, isn't that, isn't that amazing? To have a church that's not just UK, white British actually a church where there's diversity actually with the diversity actually we do have to be open to to listening and responding and 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 hearing from one another we want to be diverse but we want to be united united in purpose is it about loving god or loving people and some people say oh, it's just about loving god and some people say well, it was just about loving people well no it's, it's both and is it about proclamation where we've just got to go out and just preach the word? Or is it demonstration with acts of compassion or healing and demonstrations of the kingdom? Well, it's both and. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at those kind of both and. But just as I finish, um, we're going to take a chance to, to pray because um, I think tension can be destructive or creative. And we want to just take the chance to pray for people who at the moment are finding tension destructive 
of whether it's in a relationship, within a workplace, of where you feel that there's tension and, and actually you'd love for it to be resolved. You'd love for God to intervene. Actually, you'd love for your own heart to be softened. Maybe you realize that kind of you feel you're right and you've got the knowledge and they haven't. And knowledge puffs up and you're like a bouncy castle rather than builds up where there's strength and resilience. And maybe you want to pray as we worship now and just say, God, help me to be self-aware. Help me to be somebody that knows what it is to do my part to see this tension being resolved. Maybe you know there's a culture, there's a tension culture, and um, and maybe it's a culture you feel un- unable to change, but you need the strength just to keep on living within that workplace, within that kind of environment. Um, and again, just there'll be some people here who are on a prayer team be very happy to pray with you. Actually, for some of you, though, it, it is about managing tension. And as you manage tension, it's about being aware of the other, being appreciative of the other, being non-judgmental, being welcoming, being open. And sometimes we can be either or, it's either my way or it's your way, kind of, but we need to say actually it can be both and how do we do that? And, and for that to happen, we do need our hearts to be softened. We need our knowledge and love balance to get in kind of get in balance again. And maybe as we worship Jesus, maybe to say, God, will you, will you help me to know what it is to um, manage this tension with grace. But for some people, you need to embrace, embrace the tension. Embrace the tension because you know that through the tension, if you battle through like they did in Acts chapter 15, when they battled through the tension, what happened was the church exploded, it expanded. Actually, people became Christians, both both Jews and non-Jews. Actually, through the tension that there was, that church was multiplied and planted into places where there was diverse ethnicities, and yet Jesus was at the center. And as a church that believes in both and, we want Jesus to be at the center, bringing the creativity that sees the kingdom come. Let's pray. Lord, when we think about tension, quite often we give it a negative spin. And sometimes it is. And I pray you'd help us here this evening where we know that we're in tense relationships, tense working environments. Actually, even tension maybe here within church and the way that church is being run and how yeah, small groups are being led and yeah, how some of the social action is happening. Lord, I just want to pray where there's tension that needs to be resolved. Lord, I want to pray for us to look at our own hearts, have honest conversations, be open to other people uh, showing us our blind spots. Where we know that there's tensions to be managed, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't rely on our knowledge and know that we're right. I pray that where we get puffed up, Lord, I pray we put that to one side and we seek love, respect, honour, welcome. And thank you that as a church here we have to hold these many tensions, tensions around theology and church practice, morality, there's all kinds of things that kind of we, there's no, sometimes there's no clear answer and, and we realise that we have to embrace the difference and in that there's a strength. Help us, I pray. Help us to be a church that demonstrates to an either or divisive world. There's a possibility to welcome everybody 
from different backgrounds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.